I'm Kathy Pence. Um, this is my third time speaking. I um, have a little song I want to start off with first. Yeah. Come on, you know it. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been passing and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. He be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. Or you and your homies might be lying to chalk. I really hate the trip, but I got a low. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke. Fool, I'm the kind of dude your little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light. Remember that song? That was a number one biggest selling single of 1995 on U.S. Billboard. Sold at least 5.7 million copies worldwide. And I was one of that million. I love that song. I was only nine or ten when that song came out. But this was like the first time in my life that I felt like, whoa. The Bible is cool and relevant. Just from that one little part in the beginning, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I was like, yes, this is awesome. That song got me hip to the Bible. I'm telling you. Um, I mean, if Coolio could quote something from the Bible. Um, and if you don't know which part of the Bible it comes from, it does come from Psalm 23 which we will be studying today. Um, and actually this month, we are joining several other churches in the Denver area um, all together studying Psalm 23, which, which is cool. I think it's cool because it kind of feels like we're a family, like we're a big family, larger than scum of the earth. Um, but oddly enough, Coolio is not the only person to quote part of this psalm. I'm sure you've heard it elsewhere. Um, it's, it's quoted a lot of times at funerals or when people are on their deathbed to comfort those who are grieving. I think I hear people say it almost all the time. And it is on a coffee cup. I have pictures to prove it. It has become a coffee cup Christian kind of thing. I don't know if you've ever been called a coffee cup Christian, but you don't want to be called that. It's not a compliment to be called a coffee cup Christian, because what it means is you only quote the popular verses, and you don't really know the depth of that verse or even very many other verses at all. So you don't want to be called a coffee cup Christian. Um, but I was, I was thinking, like, why is it so widely used? And why almost like frivolously without meaning? Um, 
And I kind of want to talk about it. I've got a few things to say about it. Um, so we're going to go in a little bit more in depth, and I'll share some stuff, you know, some stories and some stuff like that. So let's, let's read the psalm together, all together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was beautiful. You guys did a good job. Um, This psalm is assigned to David. So we're pretty sure that David wrote this psalm. We can assume that he did. Um, And actually, David is said to have written the majority of the Psalms. I don't know, 73, something of that number. Um, If I burp, it's only because I had that spaghetti. So I'm feeling the acid build up. Um, But uh, I just wanted to forewarn you guys. Um, So you guys remember David, though, all right? He was the shepherd boy who slayed the giant Goliath. And he, you know, defended his sheep from lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. (laughs) Um, And then also, you remember, we studied in Samuel. And uh, David became king after Saul kind of fumbled the ball a little bit. He messed up. So then David was anointed king. We don't know if David wrote this psalm before he was king or after, but him being a shepherd at one point in time, one, I think he has a little credibility, uh, and two, it's just beautiful. It's a really good analogy. So we'll go through it. In verse 1, when he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I think first he's recognizing that God is in control. Um but also comparing himself to a lowly sheep. I don't know if any of you guys have ever interacted with sheep. I have not. I'm more of a dog person. Um, I, anything outside of that is just weird to me. Um, but I've heard people who've interacted with sheep. They, I mean, they say that sheep are really dumb animals. Really dumb. Yeah, foolish creatures. That's what some people say. They completely depend and rely on their shepherd for everything. A shepherd takes care of the flock of sheep. They will guide the sheep to where they eat and sleep. A shepherd protects them from predators, as the sheep really don't have any way to defend themselves. Um, And a sheep might not even have an innate sense uh, to know what plants are poisonous or not. So even a a shepherd would make sure that the surrounding is clear of any harmful, even plants, things like that. 
Um, so they, they're very aware of the surroundings. And then the second thing David says in this verse is, I lack nothing. So, I mean, if you're a sheep and you have someone who's taking care of literally your every need, then you don't have to worry. You would lack nothing. I mean, shepherd takes care of everything. Verse 2 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I thought this was interesting because the pastures aren't just for grazing, just for eating, but they're also for rest. Um, and usually the shepherds will have to guide the flock for sometimes quite a distance um, to find the most suitable place for them to eat or rest, at least in, in this time. But I was looking at some YouTube videos the Internet is a great source of information. Um, and even today, in today's time, I was, I was looking at some shepherds in New Zealand, and, like, they, it's pretty intense. I mean, it's not, they're, like, guiding them down narrow paths and finding, like, the best place, you know, green, beautiful, you can imagine. Um, so the sheep get tired sometimes after these crazy travels. Philip Keller, in A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, writes that sheep do not lie down easily and will not lie down unless four conditions are met. These are interesting. Um, Because sheep are timid, they won't lie down if they're afraid. And because they're social animals, they won't lie down if there's any friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, they're not going to lie down. And the fourth thing is, if a sheep is anxious about anything, if they're anxious about food or hungry, they're not going to lie down. So Philip says, rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. And the sheep don't always know what they need or what's best for them. So they need the help from the shepherd to do that for them. I know that's true in my life. Um, I don't know anything. The shepherd is always having to do everything for me. And the shepherd, uh, being God, uh, I am a busybody, what you would call a busybody. (laughs) I am go, go, go all the time. I mean, even when I'm sitting, I've sat in four different places. You know, let me get up. Let me try this. I'm going to get up. Let me try this. I cannot sit still. So I rarely stop and rest. Amy knows this. She is is my dear friend. She's always telling me to stop. Um, But I think that um, there's a lot of grace in this. In this part where it says, he makes me lie down, I think that that God makes me lie down. When I'm sick, I am laying down. Last year, I had this really crazy virus that did all sorts of weird things to my body, and I had headaches that were really painful. I had um, some spinal taps, which are really fun to get. So you should request one next time you're at the doctor. Um... And it it was tough, but I probably never rested more 
in my life. I was so sick in my room. I really was. I was just like, I gotta get out of here. But I couldn't. I physically couldn't move. But there was, there was grace there, you know, um, to have that time to rest. Uh, so I, I really do think that God made me lie down. And in verse 2, he leads me beside quiet waters. There's also this sense of rest and comfort here. Um, so, I mean, there's this rest and comfort, but also the shepherd knows that um, these sheep are timid and, you know, they frighten easily. So he's not going to take them to these, like, white water rafting type waters, like, come on, sheep, dive in. You know, they would, they would probably not even attempt to take a drink. And it's really interesting, some shepherds even hand-spoon the water to their sheep. So they're going to lead them to quiet, restful waters. So much care is taken. The Lord is our shepherd. Verse 3 says, he refreshes my soul. Some translations say, he restores my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. The word restore would imply that it was once lost. And when we're lost, the Lord brings us back. It's interesting, there are over 700 references in scripture of some sort of sheep or shepherds. Um, There's a lot to be said about it, I think. Uh, We heard one of them. Uh, Luke chapter 15, this was when Jesse's friend, Ryan. What do you call him, Jesse? Ryry? Ryro. Ryro. It's weird. Um, Ryro did um, Luke chapter 15, and when Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep, the one where the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one that's lost really cool. Margaret Feinberg says in her book, Scouting the Divine, that a shepherd is always counting the sheep and will always know when one is missing. So why would God bring us back if we're lost? Well, for his namesake, of course, he said he would. The Lord is faithful to his word. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. It's good. Here we go. Here's the ticket. Verse 4. Here's our ode to Coolio. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or uh, the valley of the shadow of death, Leonor would do this. She would. So um, I, had to, I had to throw that in there. Um, Even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In that song, Gangsta's Paradise, the young man uh, feels trapped in his lifestyle. He feels like, you know, there's no getting out. But he recognizes the struggle. Um but just feels he can't do anything about it. 
In the psalm, David recognizes the struggle, but does not fear because the shepherd, God, takes care of him. I actually found, I didn't know this, but I found this little fact. It's a fun little fact, also through the internet. Um, that the valley of the shadow of death is an actual location. Um, it is between Jerusalem and Jericho. And it is a very common way to travel for shepherds and many people, but for shepherds um, from Jerusalem to Jericho. Um, and it is a gruesome travel. It is, there are a lot of windy roads or some really narrow paths. Um, and because it's this big valley like that, um, there would be, and I'm sure David knew this, being a shepherd, I'm sure he traveled through this from at one point or another, so he would know um, the potential risks that would happen by traveling through this valley. Uh, there would actually be thieves and predators that could hide in the crevices of the valley, and they would attack and steal the sheep. Um, so I think this is probably why shepherds would not only carry staffs to help guide the sheep in these narrow paths, um, because, I mean, literally, the sheep could just walk off a cliff. Like, they would just be looking down, and they would just walk right off a cliff. So the staff is to help guide them, you know, to keep them, you know so that they don't die. Um, But not only the staff, but they would carry a big old rod with them. And I I imagine like a gnarly rod, like like a club, like a spikes, you know, coming out. Like just brutal, brutal. That's what I imagine. And um, they, they would carry these to defend them, to defend the sheep. So, you know, it wasn't all rainbows and puppies and green meadows, you know. It wasn't. They had to, they might have had to clunk a robber in the head, you know, a few times, I imagine. I imagine. I think, right? So then, of course, when verse 4 says, your rod and your staff comfort me, I would take comfort if I were a sheep and my shepherd had you know, this to help guide me and protect me. There's also this idea that comes to mind of how do we recognize the struggle we're in, the trials. If, if you look at the valley of the shadow of death as not just a physical location, but just trials in your life, um, how do we recognize that and surrender and turn our adversities into an act of worship? I think David's doing that in this psalm. Um, and this has been on my mind ever since I started working for um, this blind quadriplegic guy, Michael. I talk about him a lot, um, but he has been a huge inspiration. God has used him in so many ways to teach me a lot. Um, but I remember, I remember working for Michael in the beginning um, and I, I'm really dramatic about, well, everything. Um, but whenever I'm sick, I'm like, Ugh, 
you know, I sigh. This sucks. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. I just, like, really, like, make it just dramatic. I do. I mean, I really do feel sick. Um, but I remember doing this with Michael, and he's like, well, praise God that you can throw up. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, that is not fun. Um, and Michael actually has muscular dystrophy. So his muscles have deteriorated over time. He does not have the muscle strength to throw up. He has a G-tube in his stomach. Um, so he relies on someone else to help him throw up. Could you imagine sitting there in a chair, not being able to move, dry heaving, dry heaving, and having to wait for someone to come and help you throw up? It totally changed my perspective. And I was like, man, God knows what he's doing with me. <laughs> my body knows how to throw up, you know? And, and this wasn't like saying that I'm better than Michael in any kind of way. I mean, he is like, that's, he, he brought it to my attention so that I can turn it into an act of worship. Um, there was another time when um, I was talking to someone else. Actually, the Valentines, they used to go here. They sometimes still do. They're great. And uh, Aaron and I got into a car accident. And if you've ever been to, into a car accident, it sucks. It sucks. It's not fun. And it's even more so not fun if it's your fault. <laughs> There's a bad feeling you get inside when, oh, crap, I just pulled out in front of someone and <laughs> totally wasn't paying attention. Um, but I was talking to Kelly about it, and he said, man, thank God you have a car to get you from point A to point B, you know, to get you. And he's like, and thank God you were in a big van and not in this little old Pinto. Remember those? Is that, did I say that right? Pinto? You know, because it probably would have been a worse accident than what it was. Um, this big, giant box truck in our van collided. Um, and it only ripped off the front of our van. So it was, we were all safe. And good, and we actually um, built kind of a cool relationship with the guy that we hit. He later start, tried to sue us, but thank God we have insurance. Took care of. He settled for a hundred thousand, which is all our insurance covers. Um, I was thankful for that. I was thankful for those things. So I, I, I mean. You know, things suck. You can recognize the struggle. I think I've said suck 50 times tonight. Sorry. Um, but it does, you know. And you can recognize that struggle. You can recognize your trials. Um, but you can turn it into an act of worship. And um, it's a practice. It's hard. I don't always do it. Usually Michael's the one to remind me of that. Um, but it is, it is pretty cool that we can do that. And I think that David's doing that in this psalm. In verse 5, verse 5 is so beautiful. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. If I'm a tasty sheep, there's going to be a lot of enemies lurking about. But my shepherd is going to make sure that I'm eating grass and not poison. Going to make sure that I'm safe from any harm. My shepherd has got my back. I can eat in the presence of my enemies in complete security. What's cool as well is my shepherd is going to pour oil over my head to keep any lice or other insects off my wool. Um, David was anointed to be a king. Um, So being anointed is like a big deal. Uh, in this time. But I think that God thinks we're that special too. Just as David was anointed, God anoints us with so much. I mean, we get to share in that kingship. We get to share in the blessings, and therefore our, our cup is more than full, but overflows. God continues to just pour himself into us. He is enough for us. He is more than enough for us. Verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All these things are a sign of God's love and goodness. I think David believed in these words. I believe in these words. There's so much more than a coffee cup. There's a lot of grace because in this passage of scripture, there's no doing. The shepherd is doing all of it. We don't have to do anything to receive such care and grace from God. We just have to recognize who God is and who he's been he always will be, a God who loves us deeply, a God who cares, a God who is our shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11 and 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Good stuff. I don't know why. I mean, I can see why they they say it a lot. Psalm 23 at funerals or to comfort people. I mean, it is comforting to know that we have a God who takes care of us in our every need. Um, I, I mean, I understand why it's on a coffee cup, too. It's a good reminder, right? My cup overflows more than just coffee or whatever beverage you drink in your mug. Um, so it's good stuff, you know. Um, but I believe it, and it's a good reminder. So he's our shepherd. He's a good one, too. God, thanks so much 
that you take care of us. I mean, really, we don't have to worry. Help us to believe that. Continue to remind us that you love us a lot and that you take care of us. And you go above and beyond, really. If one is lost, you leave the 99 to find that one. God, you're so good to us. Thank you that you provide for us in so many ways. Even in me being sick at times, even that is a provision to make me rest. Thank you that. Thank you that you do that. Be with us tonight, this week, in our every moments, in every breath. God, that we acknowledge you and that we are reminded of your love and goodness for us. You are for us, God. Thanks so much. We love you, oh, jeez, a lot. Amen.